Hey, Jason. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I know. It's going to be an amazing 2020. (laughs) We just need to move it back. We just need to reset the clock, I think. You know, the play clock has advanced too far. We need to redo. Think for a minute. (laughs) Go back to January 2020. Yeah. Put yourself there. Yeah. What a different world. I know. Yeah. Everything was full of hope and dream. Well, except for January 6th. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The insurrection. That's right. That's right. Stage one of fascism. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Huh? What? How you doing? What do you mean? How you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm just sitting here hating fascism. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all are. We all should be. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, Um. Everyone healthy well, over there? Are you all doing okay? Everybody that I know, except unless unless you tell me different, uh, except you, yeah. yeah, everyone I know has COVID right now. Uh, I do not have COVID. My wife okay. does not have COVID. None okay, of her good. kids have COVID. Yeah, no. I mean, my like my kids don't have it, but all of my friends have either have it just got I, uh, just got diagnosed with it this morning or are just getting over it. Literally, I everyone. I am amazed by um the degree of like infectiveness of this omicron how uh, good variant. how good it spreads yeah i mean on one hand you know it's potentially a uh and i'm gonna go ahead and put on my phd in molecular pathology mm-hmm, hat for a minute mm-hmm. i mean I like it's potentially i know you do it's the best uh it's uh it's potentially a good thing in that that's yeah, great uh it is a variant that is more infectious and seemingly uh, causes less death and disease. Right. Um, I mean, we we've talked about this, but uh, the if you, which is how which is how you want any pathogen to go anyway. Right. You know like I mean? a successful I mean, virus is one that doesn't kill everybody all the time. It's one that just a person gets, passes on. Next person gets. It just lives. It just does its thing. No one dies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, people still feel uncomfortable with the idea that. I do at least that millions, I, I, I believe that millions of people, you know, even in this country, I think millions of people unnecessarily died and they yeah. were essentially roadkill. Um, and, uh, you know, we do have, um, you know, um, other examples of it, of it being sort of handled differently and things like that. Um, but, uh, um, but going back to me personally, uh, you know, you're correct in that, uh, we're, we're okay. But as you know, um, I am, uh, notorious, infamous, uh, famous, uh, well-known amongst, uh, our friends, which include yourself hmm. for my, uh, degree of bunkerism yes. and, uh, extreme, uh, isolation. And that was uh, and, pre-COVID and, too. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It just, dis- <laughs> just discipline around that. Yeah, um, very good at that. And uh, I mean, we just we we had. Um, You're almost like paranoia level, really. No, I'm not. I'm a highly disciplined, structured person, right? Who uh, does things that are. Um, uh, I'm actually I'm a very good and well trained scientist with a very good pedigree in science. Oddly enough. Um, even though everything I've done, you know, the last 16 years, I guess, has had to do with web and 
mobile and cloud and, you know, these things. But, uh, but, uh, I at least came out of the other side of, of training with Nobel laureates and fellows in the sciences, understanding what it's like to be on the edge of human knowledge when it comes to the sciences and how to deal with this. And, and, uh, I, um, um, I loved all of the, I mean, I love the Andromeda strain. Uh, and, you know, that led me into just even, you know, all the things about virus hunters and, and uh, the rise of the hemorrhagic fevers. And I like, I just consumed all that stuff as a teenager and then sort of older as that there was this sort of this, uh, you know, I mean, it's a little bit of the, you know, you go in Jurassic Park and, the movie and there's the scientist as a hero, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the variations of this, you know, the, that, that scientist was running the emerging viruses lab at the CDC, you know, <laughs> and going around and, uh, saving America, uh, you know, from, from that, um, in a lot of ways, there's just the sadness that apparently a person doesn't fucking work at the CDC anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, in that, uh, um, uh, in that, and, and of course, you know, the Andromeda strain is a good example of a Michael Crichton book that also has an anticlimactic ending, uh, you know, in the sense of there's this whole thing and it's, oh my God, it's going to destroy everything. And then it just mutates into a virus that just makes plastic fall apart mm -hmm. and rubber, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It stops being literally the thing that's going to eradicate mankind and it just does that and, uh, and, um, and of course that's, you know, but the, the funny thing about it is, you know, one of the things that, um, um, like when Trump got COVID and then, you know, there were Herculean efforts to make sure that he survived it. Right. And he basically got medical care that is not accessible to any normal person on the planet right. very whatsoever. very few people could get that um and then also when you look at things where um you know why get a 200 dollar vaccine when you can have a 200 thousand dollar monoclonal antibody treatment it's very time sensitive you know that kind of thing um but there was a bit of this uh look how look how tough i am and look what i survived and if you're tough like me you can survive this too and if you're not right. tough like me you're not going to and i and i just i just always yeah i i, I find that sort of attitude anyway, rather, um, you know, offensive. I mean, I, I think that we should, uh, um, if people have made poor choices, uh, you know, in their health or if they have an issue or they're less fortunate or so on like that, that generally people that are in healthcare settings and leadership settings should care for them. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not quite the, uh, um, um, let's take the elderly and throw them off a cliff mm -hmm. <laughs> type, right. type, type sort of thing in that. Uh, and, um, uh, that was always quite, quite sort of like disturbing. Uh, and, uh, some, some people, you know, during that was a, a bit of like, oh, well, you know, you get it, you know, and if you're the fittest, you'll survive. Mm -hmm. And you find a similar thing now around Omicron where it's like, well, you know, this is what, pathogens do you know they become less pathogenic over time and they spread more but kill less and as i told you guys we just had to wait it out and it's like no there's actually no guarantee that's going to occur either okay so yes that's how 
you'd like model something out and you'd say, well, you know, it's advantageous for it. It might select for, but it's no guarantee it's going to do that. Um, it could go the entire other way uh, and uh, just really mess everything up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from, from that perspective. Uh, you never know. I guess you don't know. And, and there's so many factors that go into even those types of models of how many people do you have to infect and how does it have to emerge and how do you sort of do this and how do you go and drive these things. Um, we've been so lucky in a lot of ways with COVID that I, I just can't even, <laughs> you know, and it, it sounds, it's a very odd thing to say, but, you know, it turns out that there is, you know, there's been decades of work on, you know, like RNA and DNA based platforms for the development of vaccines to where this comes along and it allows there to be a very like rapid drive towards using those platforms for something as important as this. And we see like literally an unprecedented pace of vaccine development that we've never seen before. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it almost uh, doesn't seem that. possible because when I remember the and, talk and initially just, was like, we'll but, never have vaccine for this. Like they were saying that in the early oh, but days. Not even, but not even just the development of it, but the testing of it mm. and the manufacturing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, billions of doses have been made and distributed. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, if you sort of look at it, you know, it is fair to say that, um, um, and, you know, part of that was just because, you know, these types of vaccines were largely being used for refactory, meaning um, sort of, you know, can't really treat very well anymore variations of cancer, uh, you know, because it was, you know, it's an entirely different delivery mechanism. And, uh, you know, you're turning the human body into a protein factory as well. Uh, And um, because that's how these things do, you literally are putting genetic material into the muscle of somebody's shoulder and you're having those muscle cells generate part of what would normally be in a protein-based vaccine. Uh, And then that sort of goes and kicks that off. And uh, so you get to avoid the entire manufacturing aspect of that. Uh, and that, and that's, 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 that's always been sort of the desire, but it, it took, you know, one of the, one of the positive things is it took a pandemic like COVID to really finally validate that these types of vaccine platforms work really well. Uh, and, um, and that's going to have a tremendous benefit to mankind. And we really lucked out that somehow Somehow, like the first variant that showed up and the first platform that was used literally generated one of the most effective vaccines in human history. Okay, we just a little lucked out, and that was the case. Uh, And um, that was lucky. And then, you know, the other ones was when you start looking at the antivirals that have come out now, they're amazing too. Um, They have to be taken very early, so literally, once you start feeling symptoms, you have to, you know, take them, just like monoclonal antibodies. Once you feel symptoms, you have to take them. And of course, you know, the whole purpose of vaccine is once you feel symptoms, your body's already making polyclonal antibodies against that. Um, so, you know, that's the whole, the whole point of that. You, you turn yourself into the antibody factory, uh, you know, in, in there. So it's, of course, always going to be uh, um, more 
um, resilient in the face of, you know, because for things like the antivirals to work and the monoclonals to work, people have to not be the way they normally are. Oh, I'm feeling fine. I'm okay. I'm feeling right. fine. I'm, I'm just going to, I don't know. Maybe it's allergies. Right. No, you have COVID. Okay. So, and you should have said that yesterday. You should have got tested yesterday. You should have taken these pills yesterday. Now that you're sitting here today and you're in the hospital and you're sick, you don't have COVID anymore. Okay. You now have an inflammatory disease in your lungs. That's a consequence of an infection that you had a few days ago. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. You know, so, um, and uh, that's like a different beast. And so it's a similar thing where if somebody sits around, you know, that now people look and they're, oh, there's these great antivirals that are there. And you know, we always have monoclonal antibodies. Yeah, it's all true. I mean, they're, they're both more expensive than vaccines. They're not manufactured to the same level of vaccines uh, and uh, stuff you like mean that. In that's the fine. same quantity or, or what do you mean by that? Not the same level. Uh, there's billions of vaccine doses that have been manufactured. There's uh, like 20,000 right. to 200,000 antiviral doses mm-hmm. that have been manufactured. You know, even when you look at things like uh, ivermectin yeah. uh, in that, and I'm not talking about the political nature or how it's been politicized by people or anything else like that. Um, it's only made by Merck. Um, it's made by a biological fermentation process where like there's a particular strain of bacteria that make it. It's not synthesized uh, from sort of scratch in that. So uh, where it comes from and who makes it and how it's made is entirely proprietary. It's been given to billions of people, so it is safe, you know, um, uh, you know, in that. Um, but it's also not an infinitely manufactured thing. You know, so we lucked out in the sense of we had these like vaccine platforms in the wings waiting for such a pandemic to show up. And then the first result was amazing. And then the manufacturing of it was able to be scaled in a way that was amazing. You know, and then all that lined up really well. Yeah. It it didn't have to line up that well. Uh, And then, you know, the antivirals have been great, uh, you know, so far, but of course they, you know, they have things in there. Um, But, uh, you know, but... um, uh, and then now we have the evolution and the emergence of a variant that is going in the right direction. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, everyone's just walking around acting like, you know, they've played a, you know, a couple couple rounds of plague on the iPad. Now they're, you know, fucking experts on, on sort of how this goes without a, I mean, I look at it and I'm like, Phew. but we really, uh, really sort of like lucked out. Uh, you know, from, from that perspective. Um, and, uh, um, but going back to me, yeah, I mean, we, uh, largely, uh, hide in our, our compound in Los Gatos, California. And, uh, when it's, I'm drinking coffee, when we interact with people, it's through a testing regime and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, you know, we get vaccinated and boosted right when it's sort of possible. And that's for, you know, my kids all the way down to the, the five-year-old even. And, and uh, you know, all that's been been fine. But then for us in our direct circle of friends and family, we've had uh, no, no, we haven't even had, uh, like no one's even been infected. Yeah. Um, and uh, and um, uh, that is what it is, you know, from that, that sort of perspective. Um, I mean, for me, what it's been, uh, 
amusing, I guess, is to spin that, uh, um, you know, I, I, I don't like rude people anyway. I don't like selfish people and I don't like extremists. And, you know, in a lot of ways it's like, uh, what's funny is for some people when it's, 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 uh, it's a little, uh, you know, where I almost have to tell some friends and family in the sense of like, no, we're sort of like doing this. And if they get upset by it, I'm like, no, look, one, you shouldn't get upset by what I'm saying or what I'm doing. You should be upset by the fact that you're fucking selfish. Now you're being rude. You're an extremist. <laughs> I don't give a shit what you believe or don't believe or, you know, sort of anything else like that. Uh, I just don't, I mean, if you stop and think about it, it's like, I don't, um, I'll give you an example of rude or not rude. Okay. So today, uh, I mean, you don't like rude people, do you, Dan? I mean, no, who does? Okay. Do you like selfish people? Yeah. But you know, what's always, but you know, what's always funny with me is, you know, right now we have, um, uh, there's so much like division in the country and people talking back and forth and talking over each other, but there are like first principle. I mean, I, I do believe that there are first principles that when you get down to it, everyone basically believes in. I mean, for me, it's a little bit where I, I sort of don't even, I get confused where I sit on the political spectrum or not. Um, because I, I do believe basics like, um, um, you should, you shouldn't spend more than you make. You should save your money. But at the same time, when you have, when it's more complex than that, um, like for example, it makes sense for us to have a mortgage and pay 2% on the mortgage and keep a bunch of stuff in equities when all of our equities have been going up 30 to 300% year over year. That makes, it makes sense to combine investing in debt in particular ways if you're right. in a more complex system, uh, you know, in that. And there's a certain risk profile to it, and that's fine. You can, you can, you can do that. But at the core of it, um, I think you start with don't spend more than what you make and sort of save. And, you know, it's like, well, you almost sort of sit down and say fiscally conservative. However, uh, monetary systems are not that simple. And so then you go up to another level of complexity and you say, well, is there a more intelligent way to use a combination of debt and investing and these things? Yeah. And then, you know, you can sort of maybe go to the next level in that things, but there's still the core of the first principles you basically start with. Right. Uh, and then, you know, for me, um, you know, it's a little where, you know, on the left, all your selfish things, on the right, your selfish things. And, you know, and it's a little like, well, <laughs> um, um, I don't know. Uh, it, why is everything always about you? You know, like, you know, it's like, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and you, you know, you hear these things where they're like, well, I'm for freedom and I'm for freedom. And it's like, no, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can all, we can all agree with that. You know, we don't, we don't want anybody to show up and make us do things that, you know, we sort of don't want to do, but sure. there are limits to that. Um, and, um, and uh, we know there are limits to that. You know, there's, there's things where I can't just go murder somebody if I want to murder somebody. And so we, we know there's, there's things. And then you almost have to wonder like, well, where are those sort of natural limits to it? And uh, yeah, to me, it ends up being around, ex you know, just extre being an extremist around something, being unreasonable, being rude, you know, being... You know, so self self-centered and selfish sort of around things. Um, 
But like I had to go, I had to go get my blood drawn this morning. Um, and just routine test of how my, you know, B vitamin levels and folate and, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So nothing, nothing, uh, nothing to concern yourself with Dan. Uh, I'm glad um, glad that you're okay. I mean, it was, I think we're all a little worried. Yeah, no, but just routine blood test. Okay. So my, my appointment's at nine 15. I get there at nine five. Some people don't ever get any blood tests. No, some people don't. Um, to the company called LabCorp, they sent yeah. me a they sent me a link over text saying, you know, when you get there, click on this to check it. So I I, I click on it. It says now you're checked in. Uh, we'll text you when it's okay to because it wasn't a very big place, so it's better to just wait outside. And they're like, we'll text you when it's basically ready. Someone will come out and do that. And uh, somebody came out and called somebody else, and I said, oh, excuse me, I was just wondering how long's the wait. They said, well, it's. We're pretty backed up. It's going to be like 45 minutes to an hour. So I'm like, okay, thank you. So long story short, I'm doing some work and doing some phone calls. An hour and a half goes by and I still haven't been called. I haven't gotten the text message. So I pop in there. I say, oh, excuse me. I'm, I've just been waiting for an hour and a half. Um, you know, to get my, my blood drawn, you know, how, how much, do you know how much longer it's going to be? And uh, the person got a little snippy mm. with me you know, around it. Right. Because the, what they right. heard was, why is this taking so long? Which is not what I said. No, but that's what they heard. That's well, I mean, that's what I guess they're used to most people saying that. Uh, but I'm not a rude person and I hate rude people. So I said, Oh, um, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Um, uh, I, I'm just, I've followed instructions and I currently don't have additional instructions around how much longer this is going to take. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I only allocated, you know, I only had like a two-hour free block this morning. You know, I, I, I'm going to have to rebook. And I have no problem rebooking. And he's like, well, did you sign up here on this piece of paper? And I said, uh, no. Well, you have to, in this site, you have to sign up in this piece of paper. Oh, I did the mobile app. I, I followed. I followed your company's instructions. Is what I did. Right. And the instructions didn't include that the system was down, and I should come inside and sign this piece of paper. When there's a sign on the door as well that says "Don't come inside unless you're called in." <laughs> <laughs> I said, right. I, "I don't." Right. I said, um, uh, I, "I'm if if you're too busy, I'm happy to rebook." And they're like, "Well, you know, what's your name?" And they look it up, and they're like, "Oh." Now we're to go to chair two. We'll do it right now. Okay, thank you. You know, I wasn't rude. You know, I mean, one one of the things they were testing was cortisol, so it's not like I wanted to get my cortisol level really high. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I but, mean, you have like, to you have to understand that people like you are rare. Most of the time, if someone's asking something like that, they are coming from a place of anger. Yeah, they are frustrated, right? And so yeah, they. they yeah. You know, if you hear that 50 times a day and then the one dude shows up who's not like that, you're like, ah, he's, he probably still is like that. Yeah, it's really, and I, it's funny because I, I just, uh, um, I, I refuse to go through life that way, man. I just, you're yeah, better than all that. You're about, you've risen above that. No, it don't, it's not that. My God. Now you're being extremist. <laughs> you hate extremists. <laughs> I hate extremists. The, Wouldn't uh, hating extremists be an extremist position, though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's paradoxical. Okay. 
You don't want, I don't care, Dan. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do some news? Uh, I thought we were doing news. We're oh, doing COVID yeah. news. We're doing COVID news. Yeah, we are. Yeah. No, we are. We, we can do, I mean, yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, you want to talk about, uh, uh, telco and cloud and hedge and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of why I'm here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, and we can put it off. We can, you know, I don't know, but I'll tell you, I just want to, I want to put this out there. Okay. For the people who are, um, you know, hearing about Omicron, wondering if it's as contagious as they say. Yeah. The one per one of the people that I know that was recently diagnosed with it, the only exposure that they had in the last week was they they went to lunch with a friend and sat inside. And I chastised them. I said, You should not have done that. I have a <laughs> and friend. And then they, they got COVID three days later. So <laughs> I have a friend it's that not great. they went and got their booster shot. And got it and then during the, the booster? That's the only time they'd been out, like the only time they've been out. And they literally got it exactly like 40 out, 48 hours oh after doing that. Had another friend that only thing he did was mobile order a coffee at a Starbucks for his wife, get out of the car and walk in and get it and walk out again. Literally like the only time they'd been around other people because they'd been hiding in their place. And I hate this. I hate this so much. Kind of thing. I hate literally it so they, much. Yeah. And so, uh, and what's been funny is, yeah, it's, it's one of these things where, um, like it's just, you get it like a bad stink. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's this, this particular variant. It seems to stick around like a fart in your pants. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yes, you are. All right. Let's yeah. talk about that news. All right. Uh, so, you know, this week, uh, Google, Microsoft came out with their, uh, more releasing more information about their philosophy around the telco edge. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's been some writing about that. That'll be in the show notes. We're not going to cover all of that. Okay. Uh, we've got a few stories that I want to, to jump into though. All right. Uh, oh, by the way, I think, I feel like I should mention Uh, this. This is something you're going to be super excited about. Yeah. Is I, uh, I'm been working on a project you know i do the software development stuff and i've been working on a project oh, i need to test some things that i'm working on i need to test yeah. them in android okay so i got a new terminal nice yeah and nice. the uh, google pixel nice and it's it's a really solid terminal oh yeah mm-hmm. i've had this uh samsung s20 5g note yeah you know with the 108 megapixel camera on yeah. it that's insane it, yeah that's and what's insane. funny it, it records. It records like uh, 8K, right? It records 4K. You can watch 8K. 8K or something watch, ridiculous. That's what it was. Like I, that, I, I remember I something about 8K with that thing. I don't know. Um, and uh, I mean, it's a it, it's a gorgeous device overall. Yeah. Um, I still only I watch YouTube on it while I'm pooping. I use my iPhone for just about everything else. But okay. uh, but I'm the uh, same way. I mean, I'm using this for testing. I don't know that I would switch, but I'll tell you the apps are basically all one-to-one now. You're going to get the same basic experience. It doesn't really matter. The only thing that's, I think, lock-in for a lot of people, I, I don't know anyone, maybe you do. Uh, I don't know. I'm not disparaging it. I don't know anyone that uses Apple Music. Everyone I know uses Spotify. Uh, but I suppose use, there's some use, lock-in we use, there. We use, we use both. And then, and then messages, but then there's this, uh, software you can do where if you have a Mac, that's always running, you can, it basically intercepts messages for you. So you can still do that. I mean, it's really, if you really wanted to switch, you could, 
Yeah, I just have, uh, I mean, and I, I have WhatsApp, Telegram signal, that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. for me, it's just, uh, I treat the Android device like a, a backup phone and a media right. thing. I mean, um, so oddly enough, like, I listen to Spotify on the Android device, but then I listen to Apple Music on the, the iPhone. Right. Um, and uh, But the Apple Music now is just not, because now there's just Apple One. That's right. You just, it's, you know, it's just one thing and just everything's included. And there's Google One. So we have like Apple One and Google One. Well, I have to admit so. to you that I, my dedication to the show is not so complete that I subscribed to The Economist just to read this article. Yeah. But fortunately, Heather did. Nice. Uh, so there's an article there entitled, Will the Cloud Business Eat the 5G Telecoms Industry? I know this has been keeping you up at night. <laughs> And yeah, okay. um, the, a quote from the article, however this plays out, the telecom business will look very different a few years from now. The contest okay. for control of the telecoms cloud and particularly for its edge yeah. Yeah. tech speak for what remains of the base station will only yeah. heat up. Whoever's in charge of these digital gates will have the fastest access to consumers and their data, the main currency uh, in the world of new wireless services from self-driving yeah. cars to virtual reality metaverses. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't think about is like uh, self-driving cars are talking to each other quite a bit over uh -huh. these kinds of networks. Yeah. Um, and I thought that Guys, was, I, I can't, I can't, I just can't wait till we stop talking about 5g. Well, I got more 5g stuff that I wanted to ask uh, you about. No, no. I mean in general, and what I mean by this is, uh, but you, you take this general, this general premise of, you know, that, that, you know, will cloud eat the 5g telecoms business and that right. kind of thing. I mean, I, I think it's just, um, uh, I think it's just a silly. It, it's something that shows up in the news a little bit too, like you know, somehow Google's advertising business or the OTTs or Netflix somehow screwed the telecom industry. You know, sort of like in there. Um, I mean, the reality is, uh, mobile network operators tend to be, with very few exceptions, and I'm, and the exceptions are only in the United States. Um, uh, the incumbent tends to have been, you know. Um, uh, current, it's either currently or formally owned by the government, and it's either majority or minority owned by the government. You know, and so um, you know, you see things where it used to be. Um, uh, I mean, t typically these things often in just about every country launched as part of a government agency or part of the post office, or you know, I mean, Deutsche Telekom was a part of Bundepost. Uh, and literally along with DHL and Postal Bank and other assets of the German post office was spun out in the 1990s and privatized. Uh, and um, it's like that in just about every country. Uh, and so you like in the Economist article here, what you see is even the headlines, as AT&T and Verizon launch 5G this month, two huge industries collide. This article is about the United States. It's about AT&T and Verizon, Amazon, Microsoft, Google. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an open question of who's really going to deliver things and has a footprint in the United States. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, this doesn't necessarily apply to the entire world. It applies to the United States. This is a U.S. article. Uh, and then when you look at an AT&T and a Verizon in that, uh, look, at the, at, the, at the end of the day, those companies have leased spectrum assets from the United States government and Microsoft, Amazon, and Google have said that they'll never do that. Um, and, uh, you know, so you have some of these clear divisions in the sense of 
um, um, having one group own spectrum and another group not own spectrum in that. And when you really look at mobile network operators, like say in AT&T and Verizon and these things, is you know the bigger issue there is these are businesses that generate cash and are functioning as like a financial entity, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, they're going to constantly try to improve that. Okay, so how are some ways they've improved that? Well, they don't own their towers anymore. Now they're tower companies that own them that optimize that financially in a different way. Like in the United States, you know, American Tower, Crown Castle, SBA, you know, a lot of these guys are set up as as as, as real estate investment trust. Okay, which means they have a, a different financial structure and expectation and leverage than you would inside of an AT&T or Verizon. So actually taking your tower assets out, maybe selling them off, generates cash for you or you have better leverage on it or there's like a financial reason for doing it. Uh, and so there's um, really a tremendous amount of financial engineering that occurs in mobile network operators. And there is a tremendous amount of you get what you procure for in there. Uh, and you know, I think what's funny is you look at this is, will the cloud business eat the 5G telecoms business? Of course it won't. It's a dumb title. It's not going to eat it in that. The at and Verizon is going to continue at the very least to be spectrum holding companies. Mm-hmm. Okay, And then they go and they execute on that in what ways? They have a retail presence that sells to consumers. They have an enterprise business that's, that sells basically family plans, but to 20,000 people at a time that all work at Citibank, okay? So they go, and that's their enterprise business. They're basically selling big bundles of the same shit they sell as a consumer, uh, sort of like in there. But they got a retail presence, a customer support presence, and then they go and they technically achieve this business, right? Um, Well, what you see in the case of Amazon, Microsoft, Google is showing up as suppliers, Mm Mm-hmm to them in this industry. Uh, you know, so when they're showing up in a quote-unquote RAN, AT&T and Verizon, they don't own those towers anymore. They don't make those base stations anymore. They don't make, I mean, AT&T used to make their own servers. They don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything. These are financial organizations now that basically run a retail presence, try to do good customer support, and then go and technically achieve what it is they need to achieve from this sort of footprint perspective all of that being entirely driven through procurement type practices in the industry that we know of. And so much of the way things that are structured here in the United States are very United States specific. And they tend to almost be around different financial structures that have different investment and return expectations out in the market and then optimize for that. Right. Not who the fuck's making the base station. Or what technology is going in it. And so, you know, I think, you know, I, I have this thing where, um, you know, the, the best technology is not going to win necessarily in the space. The correct technical des- decision is not necessarily going to win. Uh, you know, some big technical optimization of consolidating, this is not going to win. Um, if it doesn't change the financial 
aspect of what's done in the industry. Right. You know, literally, if they drove down the cost of a base station down to zero, but the installation and life cycle management and physical support of that base station was still like $20,000 a base station. Well, you've just made the base station free, but someone's got to still go out and climb a goddamn tower and put it up and take it down and fix it if it breaks, right? You haven't changed that cost at all. You know, and so, um, you know, so I, I think it's, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, like this industry is equivalent of a, um, of a, uh, what, what, what am I looking for? Of a, not inflammatory article, but just mm. a sensational. It's just the Inse- typical yeah, yeah, sensational. industry sensationalism. And the sensationalism is the evil OTTs in this, and it's a battle sort of that. Uh, you know, and as humans, for some reason, we're always setting shit up as a war analogy because that's just the kind of primate we are, I guess. But so, no, no. economist. I don't think there's a, there's a, uh, you know, it's like, I mean, one, what's funny is last time I looked, I think Amazon, Microsoft, Google, they're all significant. They're all like, their market caps are like at least 10 times the size of AT&T and Verizon's, right? Yeah, have you know, they're, they're larger. Yeah, they used to not be. Microsoft used to have like a $70 billion market cap and AT&T used to have like a trillion dollar market cap in today's dollars. You know what I mean? Like I didn't realize they were that, that they were that big back then. You go back to like early 1980s AT&T, you're talking about an entity with a, a million plus employees, mm. something like nine Nobel laureates on staff and over a trillion dollar market cap in today's dollars. I'm pretty sure that's what AT&T was like in the early 80s. Uh, similar thing, you go and you look at the German post office, million plus employees mm. inside of that. No kidding. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, um, and, um, you know, and so, uh, but you look at why would it make sense for the post office to spin out uh, their, tel- their, you know, the a Deutsche Telekom, a DHL, a postal bank. Uh, well, those, they, like, mobile operators are a great example. You know, particularly if you're a government and you spin out a mobile operator or you spin out a fixed line operator, okay, well, now you're able to tap private capital markets and public capital markets in a way that you weren't able to before because it was a like if it's a government agency it's tax revenue that funds it right mm-hmm. and maybe if you quote unquote run a business the profits out of that can help fund it but it's very difficult to run a profitable government agency in 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 most political environments you get what I mean? Because it's almost like, well, why are you asking for so much in taxes? Mm. Or why are you sort of doing this? Or this is supposed to be, you know, basically a charity. Or, you know, I mean, you always have those kind of things you basically run up against. Um, but uh, if you stop and you think about it, um, you're something like the German post office. You spin out this network operator who then is able to go raise money and go public and do some other things and do a number of things like that. And then it goes and takes that money and it buys spectrum licenses from another part of the government. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible way for, you know, once you begin to start having companies that are anchored in having to put something in the ground, having to use the airwaves and stuff like that, it's a great way for a government to raise funds and to do it in multiple ways. I mean, in a lot of ways when you sit down and say, well, you know, overall, we're literally going to go tap into this and tap into that and tap into this and then buy that from the government and buy this and buy here and do sort of here and there. You know, if that's if that's managed in the right way, 
uh, it generates a lot of revenue for a government. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and at the end of the day, I think any government has to, uh, uh, create jobs that people want, uh, and generate revenue. Uh, and you know, if, if politicians are doing that, the people that vote them in will probably keep them there. Right. And that seems to be the way that it works. For yeah, better and, or for worse, and, right? <clears throat> yeah, for better or for worse. And so, you know, when you look at things where now there's sort of this thing where the point in time right now um, is that last I looked, Amazon, Microsoft, Google are all larger companies with larger market caps than AT&T and Verizon. Uh, and there's some of the biggest technology investors out there. And I don't understand why anybody in any industry would want the largest technology investors and some of the biggest technology companies in the world to not invest in their industry. I don't, I don't understand that. And so, you know, I, I find a lot of 20 year old sentimentality to incorrectness in a lot of these headlines like that. Yeah. Yeah. What about this next one uh, from Samir Geisa? No crystal ball, but clear indications. The evolution towards a cloud-centric approach for five your favorite 5G solutions yeah. and connectivity solutions will continue to accelerate. And that is a challenge for connectivity service providers like TELUS. The challenge is to ensure keeping our customers in focus. Yeah. This, whether it is in a health domain or in the agriculture side, we're working together with our partners to ensure that we have an end-to-end view <laughs> on how we can serve our consumer Ensuring that just that's literally just reinforced everything I just said. Yeah. And that is that there's an example of somebody saying, Yep, we're gonna work with new suppliers yep. that have a different approach uh to go and do that. And the reason why we're doing this is to support our customers better. And right. so I said, you know, like like mobile operators at the end of the day have this great re they want to have a great retail experience because at the end of the day they're selling devices and selling plans and doing that. Uh, that retail experience can range from selling to individuals, to families, to enterprise, but it's all the same unit inside of it, right? It's a phone with the plan, with the package, with, you know, there, uh, and uh, everything else. And then you have to keep those people by supporting them well. And we see that like in T-Mobile US, you know, the support model they've had there has really been, like, really been instrumental, uh, you know, in, um, you know, their increases in market share and their success. And then you have to go technically achieve it. Um, and, um, you know, and so you'll see these types of things here where they're like, yeah, you know, we're trying to be a bit more cloud native and do these sort of things and, and do that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think in a lot of ways, it's really healthy for the industry to have suppliers that are larger companies than them, you know, because when you sort of, you know, when you see what's happened, you know, like when the, even the Telecommunication Act of 1995 got, you know, uh, done in the United States, you know, there used to be, I don't know, there were like 14, 15 vendors that made 2G stuff. By the time you get to 4G, there's three. Uh, and that, that wasn't um, like you had a degree of vendor consolidation and people going entirely out of business. Um, like Panasonic used to make mobile network. So, you know, like base stations, Motorola did, not just phones, you know, th those kind of things. Like th those don't, Nobody does that anymore. It's Ericsson, Nokia, Huawei stuff that's out there. And now there's some Samsung, um, you know, networks and, you know, some other little, you know, smaller company options out there, you know, like a parallel wireless and some, some other things. But, 
Um, but the industry has been brutal mm-hmm. on their vendor base. And, you know, you have a, a bunch of vendors where you, know, you just have to look at Ericsson, Nokia's market cap and their own ability to invest and the razor thin margins they've been sitting on. You know, the idea that somehow those people have been running terrible businesses just, just isn't true either. You know, and so then if somebody else shows up and like, yeah, we're a $2 trillion company and we spend more in R&D every year than an Ericsson or Nokia makes in revenue. And they're showing up in your industry and they want to help and they're suggesting that you adopt the way they do things. Well, yeah, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right? Yeah, sounds fine. Do it. Yeah, go ahead. Please do. All right, cool. Okay. What else you got? Well, one thing that is not in our uh, really great list is mm-hmm. something that I was seeing a lot in the news and I was seeing it over the holiday break. And so I think we just kind of missed it. But I wanted to just get your thoughts on it, if, if you have any. Um, a lot of the airlines were freaking out because of the proximity of the 5G towers to airports and uh, airlines claiming that the 5G, not just that it might, but that it does interfere with the equipment of the airplanes and the air, their ability to, you know, make safe landings and fly safely and all the other things that uh, you would worry about <laughs> happening to an airplane, that the 5G networks are going to interfere with this. And they freaked out. And the at first, the telcos were saying, ah, oh, it's like, it's no big deal. We're still moving forward. And now they actually have, in some cases, paused rollouts and, and are trying to accommodate proximity of the towers to the airports and other things like that. But of course, the airport is where you would probably most want 5G if you're a consumer because that's where you're stuck for six hours and you want to watch Netflix or whatever it is that you want to do yeah. or work or, you know, I guess people yeah. do all kinds of things like that. And other technology within the context of an airport could probably yeah. benefit from 5G. So have we, and it may be, um, have you seen articles about this same issue in other countries? I have not, but I'm not generally reading foreign news. Maybe and yet a lot of the, a lot of the spectrums very similar and yes, they're close to each other. And, uh, you know, there's, there's parts of 5g spectrum that used to be for military use and it's still, you know, the Navy required some things because it's like next to, and yeah, yeah, these are all, um, to me, this is, uh, you know, to sort of propose another thing is that, um, there's the FAA, mm-hmm. which is the federal aviation authority and there's the FCC, uh, the United States, uh, the the head of the FAA and the head of the FCC um, should have been coordinated in a way around this, that this should have never been an issue in the United States. Um, to me, this is an example of um, um, exactly the kind of thing that should never come up and never be an issue uh, because government agencies are doing their jobs or the job that they're doing is something that a government needs to uniquely do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, what we've occasionally seen in both our legislative bodies as well as our executive administrative bodies is a whole series of activities that have nothing to do with their fucking jobs. Yeah. So, um, 
Uh, the FCC and FAA should have anticipated this. The heads of those agencies and the people responsible for these areas should have worked better together sooner. Uh, and uh, this should have never come up. So to me, it's a complete failure of government, not a technical issue of this or concern of that or, you know, the idea that somehow it's the mobile network industry versus the airlines. Um, the concern the airlines have is valid. Uh, the concern the mobile industry has is valid. Uh, you know, when you start looking at um, um, who who should have studied this and solved this and had all this sort of sorted out, the FAA, FAA and FCC should have, this should, this should be a solved issue. It's solved yeah. in other countries. Yeah. Uh, it was anticipated in other countries. Mm -hmm. It was administered well in some other countries. Um, it wasn't here. Uh, and I think it's just a good example of administratively, uh, you know, sort of over the last, you know, five, five, six years, I think it's just a ex good example of administrative failure, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So there's this article in here. I don't know if this is how much we want to talk about this five do's and don'ts CSPs should know about going cloud native. CSPs, by the way, I want to bring this. I know you pronounce it as a SISIP, but no, um, no, for, most, for most people, uh, communication <laughs> service providers is what they're what that means. Yeah. And again, yeah. we're back to 5G again. We're talking about 5G. We're talking about capitalizing on the promise of 5G. That's how this article opens up. Um, well, you know, so recently for the for the Avid thing, guys, they uh, they asked me to do some like 2022 predictions. Oh yeah, do some. Um. Well, the first one I did was that there's going to be, I think there's going to be more edge sites deployed in 2022, but I think the majority of them are going to come from public clouds. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but again, I don't think that's quote unquote losing. <laughs> okay. You know, meaning it's not the mobile industry is losing to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the towers in the United States are rolled out by tower companies, for God's sake. It doesn't mean the mobile industry is lost. Um, but, when they say you know, losing, do you, are they just meaning that they won't have the same revenue opportunity that they had prior? Isn't that what well, they mean? they're meaning that either they're going to lose top line revenue mm -hmm. or they're going to not grow top line revenue. Um, and, and again, it's one of these things where if, if, you know, like if an AT&T says that somehow, you know, Google has stolen top line revenue from them, you know, it's a little like, why? Because you were going to do the same search engine AdWords business. Like, what, what, what do you mean? What exactly are they like, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like it's, it's being, um, you know, it's like me sitting here and saying, you know, I, I, can't, I can't believe there's so few acting opportunities for me right now because The Rock is getting all these fucking movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. So, uh, yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he's the fucking Rock. Yeah. He should be, I'm, in, he's going to be in everything. 2022 is the year of The Rock gonna, being in every movie. Yeah. And so, so the funny thing is, is you sit and it's like, I don't understand. I just think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a weird, it's just this like envy or something, or it's just a, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's very bizarre to me, uh, you know, in that, but, um, but I think, you know, in, in this sort of, you know, thing on there is, um, you know, I said, yeah, there's going to be more edge sites. that going to come from that. I think there's going to be even more options around connectivity types. You know, meaning like it's all meant to be multi-standard, multi-band. We're going to have more low Earth orbitals around, more Wi-Fi six, more five G, more sort of everything. Um, and you know, just the the good improvements in 
connectivity overall is going to be happening. Um, and then as you sort of head that into the, like the 5G specific conversations, I, I think this will be the year where naturally we're going to start talking more about 6G. And, um, you know, I, I think I said something like 5G is going to continue to disappoint as somehow the magical platform that solves everything. I mean, we, we don't sit around and say, oh, my God, I'm so grateful for everything we've built on the 3G platform of the future in the past, right? Oh, my God. Hmm. And then, oh, my, geez, look what happened like 4G. Okay, 5G somehow is now a platform? Like, what, what, what do you mean? You know, and so I, so I think it's, um, um, you know, that, that you don't have to take 5G itself as this concept of literally, like, you don't have to talk about it. I mean, if, if, if literally, if you go back down to the, I think, the core of the industry being, have a great retail experience. You know, and we, and we know what great retail experiences look like. I mean, Apple went out and showed us what great retail experiences look like. Right. And, you know, if people sat down and said, would you rather buy, um, you know, but now you can go buy an iPhone in an Apple store and you can pick which operator you want it with and you right. can keep your number and all that. You can do it there now, right? Um, and, I, and I'm willing to bet those stores seem to be a lot more busy than the other telco stores I see around, you know? Yeah. And so um, you, you got to nail your retail experience. Uh, and then... Um, you know, myself having as a consumer having experienced at least the customer service of the top three operators here in the U.S. Um, there's one of them that really stands out relative to the other two, and I'm 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 with them. They've been like whenever you, it's like I don't know, it's just this sports grade. Uh, and then there's this whole conversation in the industry about how all of this is being technically and financially achieved, and there are people that market within that. Uh, and you know, the whole thing around like 5g and sort of this and that was just in, in a lot of ways to me, uh, an industry, uh, you know, and, and I say this even as a former Ericsson person talking about someone like an Ericsson or companies like that are, are almost on life support and need some sort of generational churn and pick up to like survive the next 10 years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what we're talking about is that, but you know, we don't, we don't get down to, uh, why I think sometimes the fundamental questions are in that again, mobile network operators, they get what they procure for. Uh, and there are various aspects of their supply chain and procurement that they don't approach in a sustainable way. And they put people out of business if you want to sell to them. And so that's why startups avoid them. That's why the venture community avoids them. It's, it's a number of things in that. It's why you've had big consolidation, uh, you know, sort of in the space. It's not like you had two great companies combined together. Like, no, you had a, you had a, you had a, oh my God, we're doing okay. And they're doing terrible. We should get together and survive, you know, time sort of mergers happen. Um, that, that's the issue to talk about. Not, not, not like, oh, you know, 5G allows us to go cloud native and 5G is going to be the wonderful platform for everything. You know, it's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a fine thing to talk about, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's, it's an adjective that you put in front of and talk about things, but I don't know. It's, I, I just don't think of it as a headline. 
What are you drinking? Coffee? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. I mean, we got a couple more articles, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the last one. Yeah. Cause you know, we've been, it's almost an hour here. I feel like we're giving them their money's worth, whether we do this or not. They, they know that they <laughs> go to living on the edge dot show. They know that, right? Yeah. Living on the edge dot show yeah. slash uh, 18. That's right. That's and I found out. Gonna go. I'm, I'm going to give a shout out mm. to my first cousin, Adam, who told me he listens to this. Hey, Adam. Hey, Adam. Adam. Yeah. Right. Let's see if you WhatsApp me. Let's see if you really listen, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Helium <laughs> aims to be the largest cellular network in the U.S. Yuck. As Helium begins to switch on its first 5G hotspots, the company clearly has broad ambitions for its entry into the cellular industry. Specifically, Helium CEO Amir Halim took to Twitter. I do not like uh, the expression took to Twitter. Let me just be clear I, about I, that. I, that is a pet peeve of mine. It's not quite at the calling a podcast a pod <laughs> level. That's a whole other thing. Uh, yeah. But this took is just, just below took to Twitter. Just say, you know, I mean, I guess people don't want to say tweeted. Uh, is yes. that why I, they, they do that? Took to Twitter. But like, well, who tweeted, says tweeted, that? Tweeted sounds very passive. But yeah. took to Twitter is very <laughs> It's horrible. It's a horrible. No, I think it's it's literally you mean it's it's a little like get your pitchforks out. It Let's is. Go. No, it is. Yeah, it's I took the Twitter. Yeah. I took the fight right to him. I just don't like it. Took it. Amir Harim Halim Halim took to Twitter over the holidays yeah. to tout the company's current global L O R A LORA network coverage. What what is L O capital L lowercase O capital R lowercase A LORA. What is that? Uh, what do you mean? Like, what does, what does it stand mean? for? Yeah. Low um, something. It's, it's a low power wide area network. Okay. So it, it, it's, it's technically short for low raw WAN. <laughs> <laughs> now it is. <laughs> I know. I believe you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, um, um, it's probably like, Low power radio access. Okay. Low, right. low, low, long low, range. Okay. Long, long range. range low power radio. Low yeah. power. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But their goal is to be the biggest cellular network or operator. Low might be from long range. It might be long range brought together. Or maybe it's low radio access. Or uh, It's very confusing. So he his tweet says, there's a very good chance that Helium will be the largest cellular network in the U.S. within the next couple of years. And he posts this little image <laughs> okay. that just shows the number of hotspots and the trend upward. Is I that guess. really what he said? Yes. I see. So, you know, like uh, the, the, the bigger it is, the better the lover. Is that it? Yes. Um, okay. And uh, the person writing this article. But, but they, they have, uh, th- th- these guys are just deploying out these tiny little 5G small cells that are made by watch their face, right? The uh, I think it's the guys that used to do Mirantis is now doing this little small cell company. Um, yeah, 5G small cells. They, they, yeah, I think there's a I think there's a big difference between these little small cells and the gigantic macro towers and that kind of thing. I mean the the number of sites. Well, he's that using yeah, he's using the number of sites as the measurement of who is biggest. Yeah, and they're supposed to count forty thousand five G small cells by the end of twenty twenty two. I think uh, in the in the telco industry or in any industry, like you would look at coverage and capacity, wouldn't you? Yes. Like meaning, how much of the country do you cover, and how much total network capacity do you have? Uh, um, He could probably have 
4 million of these goddamn things and have less comfort and less capacity <laughs> than, than somebody else. It, it's a, it's a, uh, um, it's just not a valid measurement. Um, so of course I haven't read the, oh, the Mar oh, I just pulled the article up. Oh, it's written by Mike. Okay. So Mike, I'm sure Mike shit is all over this because Mike shits on things. There are plenty of caveats, Halim statements. First, he tends to, oh, okay. Well, there we go. He's counting number of transmission sites. Yeah. Mike says right here, number of transmission sites in the network's not the same as a network's coverage area. Um, yeah, the 5G small cells are developing roughly the size of a desktop computer. Yeah, they're made by FreedomFi. Yeah, there we go. That's what I thought. Fine. And then uh, it uses uh, unlicensed spectrum, so it's only in that band. 3.5 uh, gigahertz CBR as a band. Uh, yeah, which of course, as it says here, doesn't cover things like the 700 megahertz, which is actually even longer range sort of things. But um, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Mike covered it all in there. I mean, okay. it's uh, as it says, you know, low powered, slow speed Internet of Thing services. So, uh, um, um, I you know I I I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know why he, he's the founder of this too, not just the CEO, right? I believe yes, yes, yes probably. I think so. I don't know. And if I had to guess, he's under the age of 40. How do we think he is? Let's come up on LinkedIn. Yeah, 16. Oh, he's been doing this for eight years. Okay. Yeah, nice. He graduated in 99. I don't know, but what does that make him? Makes him probably born 1980. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Maybe a little a little before that. Uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, Wait, um, are you are you saying that age is an indication of Good predictions in the. I'm, I'm saying industry. that I'm saying that uh, young men in their 20s and early 30s tend to be more boastful around bravado. Yeah, cause that, I mean that's I mean it's one of these. Uh, um, um, I it goes to me of of like why do this? Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, he took to Twitter on like. <laughs> <laughs> no, he took to Twitter on a Saturday, right? Or something like that, didn't he? I don't know. Does it say what day? I already closed Just, the window. I had to shut it down. I had to make it stop. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, let's look it's and gone. see. Uh, can't go. I can't look he, at it again. He, too. he posted this December twenty first, twenty twenty one. What yeah. is what is what day is December twenty first? Does it matter? Yeah, that's a Tuesday. But the kids are off school and that kind. It's like an off week. Yeah, yeah, because when I see founders like post random weird shit on the weekends, I, I know they're drinking. You know, it, it's mm -hmm. rough being a founder of a company, you know, so, yeah. you know, you're sitting around on a Saturday, <laughs> had a couple bottles of wine, you're in your backyard. So you start, you know, you, you take to Twitter uh, and you start, <laughs> you start. Just, you're just <laughs> trying to push my buttons right now, I think. And you, you, uh, and, uh, you, you know, you, you say shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, um, the funny part is I'll tell you one thing that his tweet did, which is maybe the point, Yeah, is that I think that was one of the first articles that I've seen about them in a while. 
And uh, I didn't even know they were still around. <laughs> so, I, yeah, it's fine. Good, good for them. On on fourth to four billion uh, small cells. Good luck. Yeah, sounds great. Wonderful. Well, hey Dan. Yes. We uh, we're probably um, we're it's probably over done. now. We we. Well, we did. There's sort of three parts to it. You know, part one act was one. act one. Act one biz. was was uh, uh, random rants on COVID and rudeness. Act two was, uh, I guess, I, I don't know. <laughs> but thank you very much, Dan. And of it's uh, it's, it's a great um, way to kick off twenty two twenty two. I think it might be. Yeah. Did I just say twenty two twenty two? You said I, you said like, you said twenty two twenty one. Whatever whatever year this is, I it's a great said, way to I kick think it you off. Actually, said twenty two twenty one. I think I, I don't know if I did that. <laughs> I, it'd be cool if it was twenty two twenty one and we're still like around hanging out. Yeah, well, of course we will be. You're gonna find the secret to uh, aging cessation. All right. Now I did want to ask you something. Uh, I'll ask you after the show uh, about that. We'll do we'll yeah. do it after the show. Yeah. So that's it. So if people want to follow you on Twitter, you're Jason H on Twitter. I am. I am. If someone wants to take to Twitter. Aren't we getting Buble? Aren't we getting Buble? Is that still in the works? Yeah, talk to Heather about it. All right, Heather. Heather, I know she listens. Heather, get Buble. <laughs> and uh yeah. you can uh you can follow me on Twitter. I know you want to at Dan Benjamin. And uh, of course if you want to yeah. submit your questions, comments, thoughts, concerns. Uh, go to living on the edge dodge show click the contact link and we'll get the email and uh, that's it that's all we got for you this week so we'll be back next week and thanks everybody for uh, for tuning in happy 2221 and uh, we'll be back next week bye Jason bye Dave